Life comes with many changes. Some are expected, some are unexpected, some positive, some challenging. But you don't have to navigate them alone. There are people who care and want to help. You're in the right place because I'm here to connect you with them. What is your next step? Making choices that involve change can be difficult. Where can you find the resources who have answers for your questions? Our team of experts and professionals can help you make informed decisions with less stress to help you manage these changes in your life easier. You'll also meet people just like you who share their stories to encourage you not to give up. Hi, I'm Dina Court, an author, blogger, publisher, and empowerment coach. Thank you for joining me today on the Life Changes channel podcast, where we'll cover topics around life changes that you might be facing in your career and education, health, finances, relationships, parenting, aging, real estate, lifestyle, loss, and personal growth. This show started out as a Divorce Magazine Canada podcast, but so much of the content could also apply even if you aren't dealing with a divorce or separation. So now... It's Life Changes channel. There will still be lots of information to support you or someone you care about who is dealing with divorce or separation. I encourage you to go back and meet all the incredible guests in the earlier episodes. There is so much gold there. And hey, did you know we have a YouTube channel, a new Life Changes channel, and free magazines with articles from our team available across much of Alberta? as well as on our website, lifechangesmag.com. We also hold online divorce resource groups that are free to attend and everyone is welcome. Check out the links in the show notes and be sure to join us. We love bringing experts to you. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, lifechangesmag.com and stay tuned at the end for the legal language. Ready? Here we go. Hope in Hell is a series on the podcast where I introduce you to people who have experienced domestic abuse, violence, and unsafe situations, as well as the organizations who support them in these situations and help them heal and and get to safety. Today, my friend Miranda Solomon is back on the show. Now, she was with us earlier to tell about how her life experiences have made her a trauma-informed professional and helped her to relate to clients and and serve them from that knowledge and background. And today, she joins us to tell us more about her own personal story. Let's meet her now. Hi, Miranda. I am so happy to have you back. Thank you so uh, much. It's good to be here. It was fun to explore and talk about trauma-informed difference that it makes because in in your work the fact that you've had some very difficult experiences in your life helps you connect with people in a different way and when they're in that headspace they don't need to try and explain it it's something that even if they just briefly share you know i'm coming i'm coming from a you know a abusive or a difficult or, you know, whatever kind of a situation you get it. And everybody's situation is, is unique. However, we still feel the shame and the guilt and the fear and those types of things. And to work with someone that has experienced some difficult 
stuff just helps with that trust. And I just, I so appreciate your bravery and your vulnerability to, to share your story. And I have heard you share at some events and it's, it's powerful stuff. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much for, for being here. It's, it's your big heart <laughs> that's brought you here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. They say that people that uh, have been touched by, by violence or uh, by addiction in their lives or uh, yeah, I mean, just even any type of abuse, I I remember hearing a a different podcaster talk about, we could just see it in their eyes. And then they dug a little deeper and it was more so in, in your heart, essentially, you're just, you're more open, I think. Uh, we just, we connect on a different level. I think we can recognize where somebody's at when they've been through something like this. And so Mm -hmm. that compassion, I think is a really big piece of it. Um, and helping, as we said before, helping people forgive themselves for maybe mistakes that they made, but, uh, treating ourselves with love and kindness. Like I always say that you would a really good friend, right? We often don't treat ourselves that way. So stop and think about how your best friend would treat you in this situation and and love yourself through that. Right. Um, yeah, my experience, I guess I'll kind of just dig right into it. It's, uh, it's heavy. And, you know, uh, often people are like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened to you. I'm so sorry. So, so when I share my story, my story, it, it, it's, it's not a sorry now for me. It's not something, I mean, it, t- it takes a little bit to talk about because it was heavy and it wasn't fun, uh, by any means. Um, but I think in sharing that story, if I'm willing to go there, if I can inspire someone and give them a little bit of a, of hope, I was definitely somebody who felt that I would have to live in, in that station of life for the, for the rest of my life. These are the decisions that I've made and this is just where I am and that's it. But when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, all of a sudden, you know, your will to live pushes you through that. And uh, for me, it was anger. I'll be completely honest. When, when I felt like I'd been taken advantage of enough there was enough uh, anger to fuel me to get out of that situation, but it's different for everybody. Anger is not healthy, <laughs> but can often be a really great motivator because right, right down deep, we know what we deserve. Uh, and we know the reason that we're unhappy is because we're not getting what we deserve. We're not feeling like we're being treated in a way that is, that is fair or kind or whatever we want to call it. So I, uh, actually grew up in a, in a family with, uh, addictions and, uh, the domestic violence. My mom had actually come from that as well. Uh, turns out that my, actually my grandfather was a dry alcoholic that just quit and never got any therapy. So as, uh, they'll say in Al-Anon, um, that doesn't solve anything that all of the behaviors still continue, although they, they don't drink. Right. And my grandfather, was a wonderful guy. All I ever remember from him was wonderful stuff. Um, and, uh, but all of the daughters in the family went and married alcoholics or addicts. Right. And so why did that happen? Oh, wait a minute. You know, this, this covered, and that was in the fifties, right? I mean, it's not something that people talked about and that kind of thing. So we say that this, the, these types of diseases with addiction and, and alcoholism and such, uh, which usually goes hand in hand with domestic violence takes, you know, up to five generations to, to, get out of a family right and so breaking those those chains I guess and that that what we feel like was normal 
it is really hard to break. And I felt a lot of responsibility to my kids in doing that. I, um, you know, my mom passed away when I was very young. Suddenly she had a brain aneurysm at 32. So my sister and I were 11 and six. Um, it was a very, it was very tough. Absolutely. Um, to go through that. My dad had a really hard time, really, really, really hard time and just dove into his alcoholism. So a couple years after that, that I, there, there was some violence involved in that. Uh, so I left feeling that uh, I wasn't worth much and that I knew that I deserved better, but I was actually suicidal at that point and I must've been 15. So I moved out here to, to be with family. I was born in Alberta. My mom had actually fleed a previous relationship to be with him that was violent as well. So here I am, I'm in, I'm in Edmonton and everything's wonderful and I'm living with family and all that's good. And I figured since I ran away from all the behaviors that everything was going to be okay from this point on. Um, I met my future husband through some friends and within 10 minutes of meeting him, he felt like family right away. And uh, I, I didn't know why it was just the behaviors and how somebody carries themselves. He was, you know, cocky and, and confident and all of this kind of thing. And it just reminded me of home, but it, it, it didn't seem like in a bad way. Right. Um, before you knew it, because thieves, we were married within two years and, you know, I wanted to build a family and things were fantastic. And, you know, the addiction just kind of got worse and worse. So um, it was more of the um, uh, like mental, right. And a lot of the verbal stuff. Right. And so, yeah, those feelings that you can't do it alone. You couldn't have bought this house without me. You could, you wouldn't have anything without me. You're nothing without me. And I was working as a financial planner at that time. And so it's really weird to think that I had this at home and I was helping people with their finances, but I didn't really think it was all that bad to tell you the truth. I didn't, I didn't think it was horrible. I mean, it hit me and things like that. I mean, things tend to progress and that kind of stuff. I, uh, I found Al-Anon towards the end of the relationship. It actually uh, improved my relationship. It was, it was really good. And I'll, I will never forget, there was a lady that spoke in Al-Anon that said she's actually, um, she was thankful for her experiences and for her, her alcoholic. And I was like, this lady's crazy over here. <laughs> <laughs> because I was still in the thick of it, right? Um, you know, now that's something that's helped me with forgiveness and, and that kind of thing. But Elanon really helped uh, our relationship quite a bit. So I'm not abdicating that, that you know, Elanon is all about divorce and this kind of thing. But it really helped me, number one, I never had any uh, spiritual foundation. And it gave me that most definitely... Um, in 2014, my, my youngest boy, three years old, he got diagnosed with kidney cancer, something that just kind of came out of nowhere. We found this lump, dealt with it. I will say that the Stollery uh, and the Kids with Cancer Society, um, as well as the Make-A-Wish Foundation, were absolutely amazing. But uh, I'm sure people know that going through a major health issue uh, can be really tough on a relationship and on a family. And if there's already cracks in the foundation, I mean, uh, it's less than 50% that make it through that, right? Uh, I grew stronger through it and, and we're very lucky. He did six months of chemo and, you know, had a, a surgery and all that kind of stuff. And he's been eight years in remission, but that'll really shake up your priorities and will show you who is there for you and who is not and these types of things. Um, 
And unfortunately, my husband just kind of went down the tubes. A lot. Now that I look at it a lot like my dad did. It, yeah. And again, it's hard to deal with stressful situations when you've got an addiction. That's something you just lean towards. And I'm so thankful that I don't have that type of addiction. But in, in Al-Anon, I learned that I had an addiction to um, being dependent on people like that. There's a reason that I chose those situations and why I brought that to me, all that kind of thing. So in getting out of that relationship, uh, I learned a lot about myself and I learned about a lot, a lot of things about what I like and what I want to do and how I want my life to be. And I was really trying to break that. This is normal for my kids because it wasn't normal. You can say it all day long. Do as I say, not as I do, you know, um, it, uh, it was nice to be able to show them how you can get out of anything. They saw how low that I had made it and how I built myself out through that. And in some ways, I mean, I, I have a 25 year old and a 21 year old boy now, and the youngest one is 12. Um, my older boys saw me go through that and they see me in a completely different light. And in some ways, my 15 year old at the time uh, kind of grew up with me in a way, like we really found our stability and our confidence and all of that together we we are like a friendly level whereas my oldest boy was always like mom was the hard you know um and it's a very different type of relationship but I really feel like I've shown them that you don't have to put up with things like that and you can get really you can get really distorted in some situations where you uh, can't see the forest for the trees right so when I come out of this I feel like I want to connect with others. I want to show them how far that I've come, not just because, oh, that's amazing. Miranda made it this far. It's you're only two or three steps away from where I'm at. Honest to goodness, when you stick your heels in and you really want to pull out of something, uh, I think you just bring to you other people that can help and things like that. It was it was a lady that I worked with that had domestic violence in, in her um in her background uh in her previous relationship and then actually my 15 year old girlfriend's mom who had had a bad previous relationship as well the two of them didn't even know each other but they kind of just came together at the same time to support me through that and as as they say you know people who are around for a season or a lifetime or whatever those people were only really there for the couple of months that I really 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 needed them uh and they're still friends of mine but they just you you kind of draw to you what you need um and they were instrumental in pulling me through that so if i can give anybody some hope and some inspiration into you, you could be in a whole different place in such a short time it's been six years now and my life is unrecognizable because I've I've changed so much and grown and because I've wanted to. There's a lot of personal growth and therapy and that that's the stuff that works for me. But uh, really not wanting to be seen as a victim, but as as a as a victor, I guess, maybe mm -hmm. is is mm -hmm. something that, you know, the it, it, this is just who I am through through what I've experienced and pivotal was to turn around and, and give forgiveness uh, to myself uh, and to even those people that had hurt me, uh, recognizing that they did the best they could with what they had, as did I, and actually appreciating that, that lady at Al-Anon for what I had been through, uh, because it only made me stronger, right? And so I wouldn't be this strong. I wouldn't have to have fought so hard and to believe so much passionately in what I do and who I am. Um, 
to, to get where I am today. Right. It's, it was a long, long road and I'm nowhere near done. So it's, uh, it's exciting to, to be me and to really authentically be me. I think it is so powerful when we hear from others that, you know, they see you as confident and, and that you've done a lot of work to heal, but that it's still a work in progress. You know, you're just, you're just like you said, a, a step or two ahead of where some other people are, but if it gives them the encouragement to take those first steps and that there is hope that it can be better and that there's no judgment, there is zero judgment from the rest of us who's, who've lived that. Yes, you may be judging yourself and yes, you may, uh, or quite likely face some judgment when you try and uh, explain your situation or look for some support but keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. You aren't alone. There's, there's so many of us out there. Once you start talking and I found that absolutely fascinating now that I'm working with divorce magazine and that, Oh, what do you do? And you start, you just mentioned about divorce and sadly it's very high number of people that it leads to conversations around abuse. The prevalence we know is that high and that's the sad part is that it is so common uh, in our world that, you know, and it's, we don't even realize how, how much it's out there, but by opening those conversations and that's where you and I are well-placed, we are just a couple steps ahead of some of the people who are, are dealing with it. And if we have the bravery like you are doing today and show that, we understand that we've experienced something not the same, but similar in, in many ways that it will give them encouragement to know they aren't alone. And when we say like, you know, we, we felt stupid. We felt like we were going crazy. We felt ashamed that we had allowed ourselves to be treated that way or that it had gotten to that point. Then we felt stuck. So how do I get out of this? And there's all the barriers and, and in our mind, and we think there is no way out. And for us to be an example, but also to say, like, if we are still, we're still on that path, we look to others who are a step or two ahead of us. And we just want to be that beacon of hope for, for people that are out there. Um, now, you've shared some more of your story and how some very dark times that that you found yourself in what what gave you that courage where did you find that strength to to get away or or even if you want to go back a little further even when you actually realized that what you were living in was abuse and went wait a minute i i don't need to accept this yeah you know what there's there, it's it's hard to pinpoint a precipice really when that went down. I mean, there were some things that I figured out that some of the drug use that was going on, there were some people that were brave enough to be honest with me uh, and allow me the information to be able to make proper decisions. So again, addiction is something that is, is hidden and covered up and, you know, all the gaslighting and all of that kind of stuff along with abuse as well. I mean, lots of people were very surprised that that's what was going down in, in my relationship. Um, and, you know, abusers and how they work. So 
I don't know that there was a pivotal moment when I look back to to that situation. I remember uh, I had I had cried and grieved that relationship long before it was actually over, before we actually you know pulled the pin or whatever you want to say. Um, that information was kind of like the cherry on on top. Um, and it was a quick turning point when I had that information. Um, and then I was just all about protecting my kids and, and, and my family from just being in that situation any longer because the abuse was happening to the kids as well. My oldest one had run away to go and live with his dad, uh, his biological dad. And, and to know that I wasn't providing a safe place for my kids was like, so, so tough, you know what I mean? So tough to know that I was having a part and not protecting them, right? But again, I've worked a lot of, of forgiveness. And I will say when I was in Al-Anon, it was, if I, it was the point where I was like, you need to have forgiveness and all this when we talk about it. And what is it? For me, it was compassion. Uh, I was able to get to the point where if I believed that I deserved compassion and, and understanding and forgiveness from my own children, then when I had done everything that I knew how to, I'd tried my best with what I had. I was able to forgive myself and asking forgiveness of my children. Then like a ton of bricks, it hit me that my dad also re should receive that forgiveness as well. There was no escaping it. So I was able to actually come back with compassion towards my spouse while we were still together. And it was really healing through, through that program and recognizing, you know, my part in the situation, we kind of fall into that. I'm the victim and it all happens to me. And I don't, you know what I mean? I'm not saying anybody has any part in creating or deserving any type of abuse. There, there uh, is no reason to accept unacceptable behavior and, and you set the level where unacceptable is in your life and nobody should ever, ever cross that. Uh, you shouldn't have to, uh, explain it. You shouldn't have to defend it, all of these types of stuff. But for me, yeah, I got really angry about being lied to and all of this kind of stuff. And I was just like done. And so, uh, I had reached out to the Today Family Violence Center to get some, some information to just be like, is this abuse and how is this working? And what would, I don't even know. And it was really cool how they dealt with me, um, in saying, well, you know, maybe you should just be prepared in case you have to leave. You never know. Things are pretty erratic. And there's a lot of situations where there's yelling and screaming and it's the middle of the night and all of this kind of thing. Maybe if you just have a safe place to go and you got to change of clothes, you just, just have it just in case. And I was like, why? But to tell you the truth, the genius in that, in when you go to leave and you feel unprepared, oh my God, I don't have anything. And like, how can I even do this? It's too big. I'm not going to do anything. Right. I had the bag to grab. I had the kids and we went. So we went to a safe place. And, and, and again, those supports being out there to help you make a, a safe transition, most definitely the shelters and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot, a lot of resources that I'm, that I know we'll, we can share. Um, but for me, that, that gave me the power to make that decision to, to go. And I don't want to elude that once I left, that it was easy. Wow. It was so many months of very scary stuff and emergency protection orders and, um, threats and police and, lots of things. I lived in an outlying community and the RCMP doesn't talk to the police and da, 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 And I went to make a report at an RCMP office in a different community because it was safer, but we don't take your statement. And you have to keep fighting. You have to keep abdicating for your, abdicating for yourself. 
um, to get to, to freedom, but that's, I mean, it's not really the answer also to be away from it. I had to work really, really, really hard on, you're used to crisis all the time, all the time. My stomach was in knots all the time, all the time. And so to have quiet is like, it's really eerie. Mm, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? It's unsettling. And I will tell you, yeah, even after five or six years, um, nobody is perfect. And again, we need to treat each, treat ourselves with compassion and, and, and understanding and love. Uh, my ex texted one of my kids and it threw me into a spiral and it had been years and I gave myself so much crap about that. How could I let that one little thing I've worked so hard to keep us safe and to do all of this. And now I fall apart at this just little thing. It wasn't even contact to me. And I had to sit back and go, okay, you know, that's, that's the old me and all that kind of thing. But I can tell you as I've grown through that, those things happen and and they affect me less and less. They affect me for not as long. I have tools in place to help me get through that. Yeah, I don't know that you'll ever be over it because th- those traumas are just there. And sometimes, you know, something will smell or music or whatever will um, will trigger you. But you, you tend to trust yourself right? That's another thing. You learn how to trust yourself to protect yourself um, and to not put yourself in yucky situations. And when there are people around you uh, that are, that act in those behaviors that you recognize, you no longer uh, notice it as, oh, that's familiar. Your stomach starts to churn and you go, oh yeah, no, this is not safe. And I'm, I have every right to leave this situation. So you learn how to not put yourself there, right? And so I've built a really strong relationship with me and I know that I'm not going to put myself around people that are able to treat me in those ways and, and put up with behavior that is uh, absolutely. So it, it, it takes a while. I'm not going to say that it was easy. It takes a while and it's a concern. I'm always a work in progress. That's another thing, even working with my clients. Uh, as I said, I'm only a couple steps away from that perception is one thing, but I, I'm I'm not far different from from where I was there, um, and my strengths come from my experiences. So w- there's camaraderie there, there's understanding, um, and and it just unspoken connection. It's it's a, a wonderful thing that I'm able to do. Well, even for myself, I found that, and I'm I'm finding that too with more and more of a network that I'm building as I speak up. I do have those connections. Those connections are different. And even you and I, I'm not a client of yours, but we have a connection because we've met and we have some shared experiences that, that just is an automatic bond and it creates a different level of, of trust and camaraderie. Like you say, that's you know, like our sisterhood, if it happens to be with other women. And I'm so appreciative of that. And I, I appreciate you sharing your experiences and being brave, being vulnerable, and allowing for others to have a little glimpse into, you know, what what you lived and how it affected you, and not to guilt themselves to speak up and and reach out because there's so many of us more than than you even realize that are ready and willing to embrace and 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 help you to take your hand. You know, we're we're leading each other along this path, and if if there's something that we can do that will make you feel less alone and give you a little hope, then, you know, we definitely want to encourage you. And, and I like what you said, how, you know, 
how others treat us, when we start to figure out that, you know, our body's telling us whether it's our body, like our stomach feels sick, uh, our instincts are screaming, uh, we're doubting our own sanity. Those are all red flags. Don't ignore them. Start questioning that. We, I find, especially with the psychological abuse, I was putting a lot of energy into rationalizing irrational behavior. Their, their MO is to keep you on, on edge and a little bit off center and, and questioning your realities and that, and you're so busy with that, that you don't realize how they're undermining your sense of, of confidence and self, you know, self-worth. So if you can start to get back into tune with that, then it will be a healthy place to make the changes you need to. And that's where us sharing our stories can help you go, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I recognize some of this. I don't want to be stuck here forever. Wait a minute. Maybe I have choices and there's people out there that are ready to help. And what I really liked about the advice you had, and I'm going to mention a couple other little things that people have told me the prepare being prepared. So have a mental or a list or one on your phone or look for resources on, you know, some of the links that I'll have in the show notes. What are some things that you could have when you are in a space where you are not in a panic mode? It's not an emergency situation. Take some time to think of what, even just a very few things, a way you can be prepared. And like you say, that almost flips that switch. So you're like, oh, this is doable. I've actually taken some steps to be prepared. A change of clothes, a bank card, um, maybe an old backup cell phone. Like there, there is a, there's things that you can have prepared so that you can then find uh, a quick way out and you aren't, that doesn't stop you. And it can be a simple way to prepare. The other thing that I've heard of that is phenomenal in helping is to start tracking incidents. And I've had so many people say that you're so used to going, you know, you just push it aside, push it aside, and you do not realize until you start tracking the frequency the severity, how often, like, and then when they look at that, that is sometimes the nudge they need to make a change. When they actually look back and go, oh, it's happening more often than I'm realizing. I'm so, I'm so in such a spin and such a cycle. And this has just become kind of my norm. And then when they start noting that it's a powerful tool to get them to, um, to move on. And even if you just you know, I, I always am concerned. I don't want to pe people to risk their safety by having, you know, a list that someone that you don't want to see it sees it and then it jeopardizes your safety. You could even just have a little code for yourself on a notebook or a journal or in your phone or whatever. And you just put a little tick mark or you have some little, a letter of the alphabet, something like that. And every time something happens, throw that in there, throw that in there. And you know what it means. But when you look back and see just what you're living in, it's a wake up call sometimes that you need. And, uh, and then being prepared is kind of like your ticket. Okay. I've got this. And I think what you said too, about your children, protecting your children, sometimes it comes down to that being the catalyst. And that's, that's what finally 
gets you away from a situation like that. And it can even be, you know, uh, close friends or adult children. And if you can stop and realize the value that you carry for those people, they don't want to see you in those situations. They maybe don't even realize you're in that type of a situation, but they don't want to lose you. So, you know, do what you can to get, to get out. Well, I think they often, they feel also, my family felt really helpless as well because I was choosing to stay in a situation. And so supporting the, the other piece is supporting a family member or loved one that is in this situation that is, is not uh, able to leave. I think the big part is that they feel like they'd already don't have choices. They're going to lose everything. Um, and that we need to give them dignity and allow them to make their own choices. We can't force them to want to leave because we want them to leave. Um, and the other thing to add too, as you were speaking there is car keys. My ex hid my car keys. You know what I mean? I had a separate set of car keys. He moved my purse. I had a separate set of, you know, ID and healthcare cards for the kids set away. You're right. A bank card, uh, some cash medication. Oh my goodness. Medication. Mm. Uh, right. The, these little things that make us feel a little bit of prepared so that you can have some hours away from home and, th and that type of thing and make the rest of the decisions afterwards. And another thing to add with this is that it's not just women. It's not only it's not only women and men in mm -hmm. middle age it's seniors uh it happens to young kids one of my clients talking to them their daughter's like 18 years old and she's like oh yeah no i know somebody who's gone through that 18 years old so it, it, it doesn't choose by who we are. And so that's a big piece of my message is that even as a financial planner, these things can happen. Also speak in your truth as well. Some of the people that you don't realize might be able to help you can help you. So when you were talking about aches and pains and things that are happening at home and, you know, medication for anxiety with your doctor and what's going on, be honest, because they will not share that information, but they actually have access to resources to keep you safe. Also uh, speaking to your therapist if you have one reaching out to a therapist uh they have an obligation a, a, a duty to you to make sure that they're keeping you safe uh and they also have uh direct access to to programs that they can get you in in connection with there's a lot of uh grants and things like that out there to help uh, people flee unsafe situations. I mean, we, we left in the middle of the night. My son had no shoes, no, in his pajamas. Uh, we had to leave pets behind there. All these things are, are really things that sort of keep us there. Um, there's supports in place through, through these, these, um, you know, foundations and things like this that can take your pets and, and you know what I mean? So, don't let those little things be the reason that you don't make that decision, but find people around you that love you and support you and just want to see you happy. And you can work through it. There is life on the other side. And, and that person I'm telling you six, eight years ago, I, I, I never knew there was, I could, I've seen other people who had done it, but uh, I just had no idea how I would ever do it. So it's not about, how will I get this and how will I do that? And, and all of this, there are so, so, so many people who are out there willing to help and to understand and to treat you with, with dignity to, to help you get out of that situation, I guess, is what it really, really boils down to. So reach out to them, right? Have the bravery to do that. And, and, and there's a lot of people who care about you. And we'll share uh, links in the show notes for a lot of mm -hmm. these, because, you know, it's, 
it's just totally overwhelming to even consider leaving. But then to think now I have to research all that. There will be links right there. Hyperlink take you right to those places. And most of them have a safe exit button as well, where if you do need to get out of that website, you can quickly and easily get out of that. And it doesn't leave a trail. No history is, is saved. Now, I want to talk about, we'll wrap this up and um, the reach out. Yes. Very, very brave. I've also just recently was honored to have Dr. Jody Carrington on my podcast and she is talking about reach in, reach in. And I like how you said, you know, if you know someone or you see someone offer to help, ask those, ask those awkward, cringy questions. Like, are you okay? I'm concerned. I have concerns for you. I, you know, I, I've seen this being done to you or heard the way you were spoken to, or, or, you know, do you like, let's talk. Um, Or if you don't even want to have those conversations, but you know that there's, you sense there's struggles, find ways that you can help. You know, I made a double batch of lasagna. I'm going to drop half of it off, or I'm going to, I'm going to be running my kids to this. Would your kids like to come along? Try and find ways to support someone you have concerns about. And as you build that trust, if it is, if there's a way, try and find a way that you can open those conversations so that they know that you are someone who would be there to support them and not judge and not, not criticize. Yeah, absolutely. I will tell you, as you talk about that, it's funny, you forget those little details. It was a friend of mine that I used to do uh, farmers markets with that said to me, we were having coffee one day and she was like, hey, you know, my husband and I are kind of concerned about you. And there were, you know, um, at least 20 years older than me. And they were like, if you ever need a safe place, like, just know that we're here. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's not that bad. But yeah, thank you for that. Absolutely. And uh, that kind of bubbled around in my brain. But believe it or not, later that night was the night that we had to run. It was funny how everything just um, serendipitous, really, how everything aligned. I had the bag packed and I hadn't really spoken about it whatsoever. And when somebody offered me a safe place to go because my family didn't want to get involved, when when things got really scary, we had an out. For the first time, we had a safe place to go. And that's what got us out. So yes, if you feel in a, in a comfortable situation to be able to provide safety for somebody to just have those couple nights before they get on their feet, absolutely. You know, they, they put their, my truck into their garage so nobody would have even known that I was there and just those little safe things and connected me with the police and gave me a safe place to, to just kind of get through those first scary nights in, in, in safety for sure. Right. So, I mean, you don't have to be that person. There are shelters and things like that, but just start reaching out, know that there are people out there that, that you may not even know that love you and care about you and just want to be able to support you through this. If you're ready to go. And even if you're not ready, there's people that will support you. Oh, what a perfect place to end. Thank you for sharing that story. That just completely nails the point that we're trying to make around that and really encourage people on both sides of it. Thank you, Miranda. I so appreciate you sharing and for taking I appreciate your time. you as well. And what an know, experience as always. <laughs> likewise. And the hope that you offer, um, you know, comes from a very caring heart. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Hopefully you heard something today that helps you wherever you might be in life. Do you have questions or a suggestion for a topic you want to know more about? Let me know. Check the show notes for all the contact information. 
follow this podcast and find us on social. Know anyone who might find this information helpful? Be a friend and share it. And hey, thank you for hanging out with me today. Keep smiling that beautiful smile. The world needs your sunshine. It means a lot that you spend this time with us and meet our experts and professionals who can help you through whatever life changes you're facing. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, lifechangesmag.com. The link is in the show notes. Our disclaimer, Divorce Magazine Canada, Life Changes Magazine and Channel and Divorce Resource Groups are intended to educate and provide quality, credible resource information. The contents should not be used as factual until consultation with the appropriate professionals for any guidance. Divorce Magazine Canada, Life Changes Magazine, Life Changes Channel, as well as the Divorce Resource Groups do not constitute endorsements for, nor liability for any claims made in the presenting of this information.